Uh, hey, I'm Caleb. If we haven't met yet, I'm the lead pastor here, and welcome. Happy Easter. So glad that you have joined us today, starting your Easter day off right, although it is the later service. Way to go. You got some good time in. You ate well already today, probably. Um, congratulations. How many of you have started some kind of like Easter festivities, painting eggs or a little hunt or uh, some of you, not many yet, you guys are kind of waiting, just getting the juices going. <laughs> the second half of the day is really Easter. Uh, some of you don't even believe God exists before 10 a.m. I get that. That's okay. Um, Hillary and I took our two-year-old Jack to, uh, to, to pick up eggs, to do a little Easter egg hunt in our backyard. It's the first time. He's, you know, he's two, one-year-old, didn't really, didn't really make sense. So we took him out there. Hillary had placed the eggs and the grass in the back, and, and Jack took his little basket thing, and they're walking around, and, uh, and he wasn't really into it. He didn't, he didn't get it. We had to keep coaxing him to go back out into the grass and pick up some more eggs. I think that he actually felt like he was just picking up after us. <laughs> You're like, well, you guys drop this stuff out here. Can't you pick it up? You're grown adults. So we're working on the Easter egg hunt thing. I think, I think he'll get better. I think he'll appreciate it more next year. But it caused me to ask a question that I want to ask you guys right now just to consider for a moment. Why do we do all this? Why do we do the egg painting? Why, why do we do the big set design? Why do we have a bunch of people in the band? Why do we have all kinds of awesome greeters out here? Why, why did you come and be like negotiated with and held your lunch hostage until you showed up for a service? Why, why did you dress up a little bit nicer, I see you, than you do on most Sundays? Why, why do we go through all this? I'll tell you why I think it is. Why the reason why I think that you and I are here on a day like today, I think that you're here because of hope. You have a sense of hope that maybe there's something to all of this. Maybe a sense of hope that God just might be real. Maybe you hope that God, if he's real, that he actually does care about you and me and my little life. Maybe, maybe you hope that this year, this church, this time, it'll be different than the last time. Maybe you hope that your life is still worthy of hope. You know, one of the best movies in the history of the world is The Princess Bride. You knew that, right? And in it is one of the greatest sword fights in the history of cinematography. And Inigo Montoya and the man in black are dueling with the swords on top of this cliff. And Inigo Montoya is trying to get the man in black to tell him who he is because he's wearing this black mask. And the man in black won't tell him who he is. He's just saying, no, 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 you'll just, you'll just have to be okay not knowing. And so Inigo, no, no, tell me. And then finally he says this famous line. He says, get used to disappointment. I'm not going to tell you my name. To which Inigo Montoya was like, yeah, okay. And they just keep fighting. And I think that that's what a lot of us do in this world that we live in. We just get used to disappointment. We, you can't live in this life, in this world for very long without being severely disappointed. And we can, if you just listen to the voices that are out there or you're around different people out there, you might start to believe that you just have to adapt and get used to it. Because this is how things are. I started uh, Body Pump two years ago, 24-Hour Fitness Body Pump. I'm secure enough. That's a female clap. I just want you, that's okay. Um, <laughs> I get it. I know. 
Hillary was all about it, the body pump, and, so I, and she wanted us to have this thing that we were bonding and doing together. So I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm confident enough. I can put on the little weights and I can do the thing and we'll, we'll just go and have that fun. And I thought, well, I haven't like, done a real workout regimen kind of like that uh, since college. So what's probably going to happen if I really sell out to body pump is I'm going to get like really chiseled in like two weeks and it's going to be amazing. I'll have tree trunk legs. After like four weeks, my arms will fill my shirt the way they're supposed to. And I'll have to build into my calendar extra time to explain to people that I'm not David Beckham. And you know, it's not, I get it. It happens all the time, you know, no, no. So after a couple of months, I'm starting to see some results, and I'm standing in the mirror like, okay, all right, we're getting somewhere, and Hillary's walking by, and she sees me in the mirror, and I'm like, yeah, what do you think? The body pump, is it working? She's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really? Well, then get used to disappointment, because this is as good as it gets. <laughs> I shut the door. She said I slammed the door. I think I just shut it normally. But we do that. We, we, we just figure that we've got to get used to disappointment. This is how we live. And most people's experience of life can be summarized. Get used to disappointment. And for some of us, it's not just disappointment. It's disillusionment. I thought things were going to be different. Or it's devastation. Everything's just coming undone. There's no going back from this. Or maybe it's darkness. I just don't know which way is up anymore. Or even death. It just feels so ultimate, so final. Death of a loved one, death of a marriage, death of a dream. We just get used to disappointment. And yet, for some people, maybe some people around you right now, maybe some people that you've seen, I know that you've seen this, they seem to be able to endure the same stuff and yet come out the other side different, better, still hopeful, still optimistic, right? And you're just like scratching your head like, are they faking it? Is this thing real? Like what? They seem to be like nevertheless kind of people. Like even though it's dark, even though it's desperate, even though it's disappointing, they power through with some flicker of hope and they persevere. Nevertheless, they're going to find hope. Regardless of the reality of darkness, they seem to find the light. There's a woman in our church who, in one calendar year, lost a parent, lost a child, and then went through a divorce. And yet this woman still inspires us. She still has a glimmer in her eye. She still has purpose for her life. She still walks, stands tall, and believes that there's good in store. There's another man in our church who just this past year had a, a near-death kind of experience. He had a severe illness that required multiple surgeries, and his family wasn't sure how he was going to come out of it. The result was that he wasn't quite the same, and he couldn't continue in his business. He had to sell his business, and yet this man savors each day. He lives with an appreciation for life and he lives with an extravagant generosity. And those are the kind of people when you're around them, you're like, man, you've been through even worse stuff than me and yet you still manage to find hope. You have not settled. 
You have not gotten accustomed to disappointment. You keep pushing through. You keep hoping for more. You're living a good life. I, nine years ago, went through a quarter-life crisis that resulted in darkness and devastation and the death of a marriage. And I, was, I couldn't believe it was true. I couldn't believe this was my life. Like, really? I'm getting divorced in my mid-20s? This is happening to me? And I had to come to terms with the fact that I had, in fact, participated in the destruction of this marriage. And I didn't know which way was up, and I didn't see the hope at the end of the tunnel, and I struggled. But thank God there were people that came around me that were inspiring, that spoke truth to me, that reminded me that this wasn't the end, that there was hope, that there was newness of life, that this didn't have to define me forever, and they ultimately pointed me to Jesus, which is what I'm going to do for the next few moments today. Did you know that people have been pointing to Jesus since even before Jesus walked on this earth? Hundreds of years before Jesus came, people were already pointing to him. There was prophecy that I'm going to read to you that came from the famous prophet Isaiah, and this was written hundreds of years before Jesus when life on earth was really bad. It was ugly. People were killing each other all over the place. There were extremists and they were threatening, and there were politics that were really corrupt, house of cards style. Marriages didn't seem like they mattered or or just made any sense anymore, and parents felt like they were raising their kids to inherit a world that was going backwards and not forwards. Some of you can relate. And here's what the famous prophet Isaiah said. Nevertheless, even though it's dark, even though it's painful, even though all these things are coming undone, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. In other words, hope is coming. Hope is on the move. Don't miss it. And they wrote this down and they passed it on and they told their kids to tell their kids, kids, kids. And they said, you don't have to give up. You don't have to settle for less. You don't have to get used to disappointment. Just believe. Just have hope. Just have faith. Something good is coming. This isn't the end of the story. And then it happened. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, there was this child that was born. Jesus was born in like all the normal ways, like in a womb, in a normal way. He related to every human experience that we have in that sense. He lived. He came into this world. He came to give new hope. Here's the, what, what the Apostle John says that Jesus about Jesus. In Jesus was life, he says. And that life was the light of of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So look at, there is darkness and light. That in the middle of the darkness, light comes. They're existing at the same time. And, and it feels often, doesn't it, like darkness is winning? Every great movie that you've ever seen, it's, it's bad. Like, there's conflict. 
There's all kinds of negative things happening. You don't know how this is going to reconcile and how the hero is going to make it. And then all of a sudden there's a turn and it happens and you're like, yes, Rocky, defeat. You know, it's all that kind of stuff. Every great movie is that way. And this is no different. Right in the middle of darkness and despair, the light comes and arrives. And Jesus embodies hope and the potential of all bad things being made good, all wrong things being made right, that he can bring good out of anything. And there's this hope again, and people are following him everywhere he goes. They're like, this is the dude that people have been prophesying about forever. Let's go with them. Well, he's just like those other guys that say that they're the Messiah, Savior person. No, 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 no. This dude's different. He's like healing people left and right. I've never even heard him cuss. Well, maybe that one time. I, I don't even know. He, he's different. He, he, there's something about him. And so hordes of people, hundreds if not thousands, followed him all over the place just to get a glimpse, just to hear what he might say next. Is this the one that great-grandmother talked about that might will be coming maybe in my lifetime? Here he is. I'm just going to sleep out here outside just so that I can wake up early and be near him tomorrow. And this Jesus lives a perfect life. He does all kinds of crazy miracles. He's the most incredible human in the history of the world. That's why everyone knows the name of Jesus. That's why everyone is aware. That's why history is split B.C., A.D., because of this Jesus. But his followers follow him all the way to this wooden cross. And they are unbelievably dumbfounded when Jesus allows himself to be turned on, beaten, hung on a cross, and crucified. And now all these hundreds, thousands of people who had put their hope in him are devastated. And they think, how could this have been? Luke 24, one of the gospels of Jesus' life says, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over, Jesus, to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one. We had hoped. I mean, there was all this buildup. All the signs were pointing in that direction. You know, grandma and everybody telling us, and we wrote letters, and this, everything, it seemed to be aligning. We had hoped, but then this. I guess we just have to get used to disappointment. I guess we just have to settle for the old life. And they went back to their old lives. Nevertheless, the story goes on and God continues to write the story that we live in today. Here is the Easter story, friends. From John chapter 20, the Bible says, early on the first day of the week, just a couple of days after Jesus had died on that cross, and then look at these words, while it was still dark. That, just, that wasn't just because it was early in the morning. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. That's the disciple John who is actually writing this down. And he calls himself the one that Jesus loved, very confidently. He says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. He's not there. We don't know where they've put him. 
So Peter and the other disciple, John, started off for the tomb. Both were running, but the, disciple, the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Don't you just love the Bible? They just keep it real. This is John, and he wants you to know a couple of things. He wants you to know, one, Jesus was raised from the dead, and two, I've got wheels. I can haul, you know? I just want, I wanted to tuck that into this groundbreaking story. Either that or it's like an inside joke with like other of their friends and everyone reads that and they're like, of course John beat Peter to the, to the tomb. Peter runs like a duck. It's not even fair. I don't know. Then he goes on, verse 5. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him. He finally caught up and he went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. So the cloths are still there that Jesus had been wrapped in, but no Jesus. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. And then look at these words. He saw and believed. Hope restored. Could this be? Could this be resurrection? Jesus died and came back to life? Is that a thing? Does that happen? Is that what he's been talking about this whole time? He's been hinting at this idea of new life and a kingdom and hope for all of mankind and all sins forgiven. Is is this what he meant? Because if he did, it's kind of actually brilliant. He died and then he rose again to life. I think that that's better than not dying at all. If you can die and then come back to life, that's pretty victorious. That's pretty memorable. That's kind of a statement maker. And so they believed and they put their hope in. Easter, my friends, says that because of resurrection, disappointment, devastation, darkness, and even death are not final. It is not the end of the story. Even when everything seems to have been spoken for and it's done, put a fork in it, it is not the end. And you might not have noticed it yet, but resurrection whispers to you from everywhere. Resurrection is trying to get your attention all over the place. Resurrection is in every glimmer of hope. It's in the woman who lost so much and yet still finds purpose to keep on living and to keep on hoping. That's resurrection at play. Resurrection is the man who doesn't let his health keep him down. He savors every moment that he has, every breath that he has. Resurrection is every reconciled relationship that you didn't think it was possible. Resurrection is every convict who is given a second chance at life. Resurrection is the woman who was abused, beaten, and abandoned, and yet who still finds it in herself to trust again, to love again, and then inspires other younger women to understand their value. It's whispering of resurrection truth that death and darkness, despair, these things are not final. They are not the end. No matter where you are today, no matter what you've done, what you've been through, what you have done to someone 
else, I want you to know there is hope for you. Even if you have participated in the bringing about of the destruction, there is hope for you. Even if you feel like you are so far gone, how could you be forgiven? There is hope for you. Resurrection is for you. It's not just about a guy 2,000 years ago. It's about new life now. The cross is about forgiveness of sins. Everything cleansed and paid for. No more condemnation for anything that you have done or will do. The resurrection is about new life. A hope for eternal life, that your spirit will never die, that you'll be reunited with the people that you love. A hope for that and a hope for this life here and now today. A fulfilling life, life to the full. Here's what Romans 8 says. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. You know why that's such a big deal? Because after the resurrection, the disciples, all his followers, they have their hope back. They have their swagger back. They're like, he did it. He just dominated death. Like, like right in the middle of darkness and death, this dude just came and brought light and new life. It's just like, take that death. He, they, I mean, they had an all-new sense of confidence. They just couldn't believe it. This is real. This is happening right now. And then Jesus does the first like Iron Man thing. He's like, and he just disappears into the sky and they're disappointed again they're like we appreciate the resurrection new life thing but now what do we do and they're looking around at each other like I, he was supposed to there was going to be a what now what and then so when jesus says i sent my spirit the very spirit that we just read the very spirit that raised christ from the dead he says i'm giving it to you i'm going in the physical form back into heaven but here is my spirit to live in you to be around and with you all the time hope restored there's darkness and pain and death resurrection hope then there's confusion and discouragement again he's like no 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 no. i got this Here's my spirit. Let me just breathe it on you. Now, I know that sounds crazy. And some of you are like, that is nuts. You believe that? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to believe in a resurrection that changes everything, you might as well believe in everything that Jesus says. If the guy raised from the dead, pretty much everything else is up for grabs. And if he says, I am going to go away, but I'm going to leave my very own spirit with you, in you. Friends, that changes everything. And it might, as crazy as it sounds, it might be the only sane, reasonable thing to believe in this broken world. It might be worth putting your hope into. Because Jesus gives hope to all humans. Here's what all that means. It means that that you can have new life. That everything that you've done is not held against you anymore if you receive that resurrection of Jesus. We're all a work in progress. We're all hypocrites on some level. I know that some of you are angry at church and God because you've been burned by other Christians before. 
I get that. But we're all hypocrites on some level. Resurrection is still at work in all of us. You can't judge this Jesus just by that one person or that instance or that thing. He wants you to play too. He wants you to participate in the new life that he has for you. This is about you right now. I am not who I was. This resurrection has had has done work in me. I grew up thinking that I had to perform and be the standard and the example and have everything together. And I was fake and pretend and judgmental. And part of me going through that brutal divorce and as un- unfortunate and broken as it was, it led to resurrection in me and a new sense of belief that I, I could be new. I could be different. I could be free. I could figure out what it means to be me. That's a little glimpse of my story. That's a little bit of what resurrection has done for me. I've asked some of our friends to come and share as the band plays and give you a simple look into their story of resurrection.